Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. We lift our eyes up and see you, and you are holy, holy, holy. You are eternal, and your Lord God Almighty. It's good to see you on your throne. We thank you for your promise that nothing comes into our life that doesn't come through your hands. And we know this coronavirus didn't catch you by surprise, but you've let it come into our lives and world. And you've made us a promise that you will use this if we look to you to make us more and more like Jesus. And you will use it to expand your family. And so we look at you and pray that you would accomplish your purpose in our life and community through this. Make us more and more like Jesus through this. We are a needy people, and we cry out that you would meet our needs during this time. We pray there would be revival in your church, that you've taken so many things away that we would realize how precious you are to us. We pray that revival would lead to a spiritual awakening in our land, that the gospel would spread rapidly through our community and world like this virus has, and that you would save many. We pray that, that you would meet our financial needs. We pray for the, to the, for the sick you would bring healing and, and for the well that you would keep us well. We pray for doctors and nurses and, and others that, that are treating people that you would protect them. For those that are searching for cures that you would grant wisdom. For our leaders that you would give them wisdom and decisions to be made at this time. We pray for our Easter services to be filled with people and that many would come to faith in you. And as we open your word together today, may your spirit fall fresh and teach us where we are through your word. For we pray in, in Jesus' name, amen. We are taking a break from, a break from our study of Genesis today to have a hot topic message called How to Love Our Neighbor in a coronavirus world. How to love our neighbor in a coronavirus world. Why this message? Because a lot has changed in the last month, hasn't it? I mean, a month ago, we couldn't have imagined that we wouldn't be meeting together, right? We're not able to meet together, and, and there's no sports on TV. Did I mention there's no sports to watch? Can you believe that? We can't eat out. Ah, oh, don't you miss that? We, we can't eat out. We're locked in our homes, and often with our families. Ah, oh. Many of us have lost our jobs. Many are sick. Many have died. Every day, everything seems to change. And it's certainly, it's made me so thankful to know Jesus because Jesus never changes. The Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Aren't you glad some, someone doesn't change? And uh, so today we're going to ask the question, how do we do it? How do we love our neighbors in a coronavirus world? And, and what we're going to learn is that nobody loves like Jesus. If we want to learn how to love our neighbor in a coronavirus world, the best place is to come sit at the feet of Jesus because nobody loves like Jesus and say, Jesus, teach us how. And that's what he's going to do. If you have your Bible... <clears throat> We're going to read from Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 29 or 25. And if you don't, you can follow on the screens. Notice how it starts. And a lawyer. A lot of lawyers in my family. I could tell you a lot of lawyer jokes, but it's no fun to tell jokes when no one's in the room. 
And a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Notice the question. Isn't that really important today? Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? What if we get sick? What if we die? Don't you think we all want to know, how can we know for certain we're going to be with Jesus forever? That's the question. It's a really good question. Do you know the answer? What do I, shall I do to have eternal life? But I want you to notice something. The lawyer's question, though a good question, was not sincere. He's putting Jesus to the test. And Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? <clears throat> what does the Bible say? And how does it read to you? Notice how Jesus so often responds to a question with a question or questions. The value of questions, it's a skill we need to ask when we get asked a question to develop, is to ask questions back. The purpose of the questions is to get people to think. What is written in the law? How does it read to you? It's to get people to go out loud, to verbalize what they're thinking, because often what we're thinking makes sense in our head, but when we say it out loud, it makes no sense at all. And he, the lawyer, answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. He quoted Deuteronomy 6, a precious verse to Jewish people. And your neighbor as yourself, he quoted Leviticus 19. He, he, he quoted the law. And Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. And I can almost hear some of you saying, wait a minute, Smiley, wait a minute, that doesn't sound like what you preach all the time. You're always talking about the gospel. You're always teaching that eternal life is a free gift from God. It's a free gift we receive by faith, that it's as simple as ABC. Is Jesus teaching here that we earn eternal life by keeping the law? Is that what he's doing? No. Listen, the purpose of the law, the first purpose of the law was to expose our sin, that we would realize we're sinners so that we would run to Jesus and ask him to save us, so we would run to Jesus and ask him to give us this free gift. What Jesus was saying is that if you can love God with all your heart, if you can love God with all your soul, if you can love God with all your strength and with all your mind, if you can love your neighbor as yourself, you have nothing to worry about. But what this man should have said, what the lawyer should have said, listen, no one can do that. No one can love like that. Only God can love that. How can I have eternal life when I can't do that? But notice, it didn't expose his sin. He didn't run to Jesus and ask for eternal life. Um, instead, but wishing to justify himself. This is what religious people do. They want to ju justify themselves, but wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? He thought, if I can take God's law and narrow it and make it small enough, then perhaps I can keep it and earn eternal life through what I do. And so he asked a question, who is my neighbor? <laughs> As though that were some difficult theological question, right? So the first time he asked a question, Jesus responded with questions. Now we ask another question, and Jesus does what he often does in answering questions. He tells a story. He tells a parable. Jesus replied and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. So Jesus is telling him a parable. And remember, 
a parable, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, okay? It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And remember also that a parable generally has one main point, and the one main point of this parable is that nobody loves like Jesus. Nobody loves like Jesus. So here's the story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and that's literally true. Jerusalem sits 2,300 feet above sea level, 2,300 feet above sea level. Jericho, just 17 miles away, is 1,100 feet below sea level. All right, we live in Florida. You go down two feet and you hit water. How can Jericho be 1,100 feet below sea level? I don't know, but it is. So in a 17-mile walk from Jerusalem to Jericho, you descend 3,400 feet. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. This road was notoriously danger. Many people were robbed on it. Um, Maybe like walking in an inner city after midnight, And so this man, he's attacked not by one robber, but by robbers, robbers. and what do they do? They strip him, they beat him, and they leave him half dead. So imagine you're that man, you're on the side of the road, you can't save yourself, you're naked, you're beat up. And and, and then it says, and by chance, a priest was going down on the road, and you look up, and here comes a priest Here comes a priest. God is smiling on me. A priest, a religious leader. It's important for you to know that a priest would have come from the tribe of Levi. Remember there were 12 tribes in Israel and one of the tribes was Levi. So all the priests were Levites. And within that one tribe, all the priests came from one family. They all were descendants of Aaron. They all came from Aaron's family. Uh, from Levi, from Aaron, and what priests did, priests would offer sacrifices on the behalf of the people to God. And so this man's saying, wow, God is smiling on me. He sent me a priest, a religious leader. Certainly he will help me. And a priest was going down on that road. And when he saw him, notice, when he saw him, notice what he did. He passed by on the other side. (laughs) It's not just that he walked by, but he actually crosses over the road so that he doesn't come near him. Almost sounds like in our day, right, that perhaps he has the coronavirus, so I'm going to stay away from him, right? I'm going to stay safe. So the priest walked by. Likewise, a Levite also. The man looks up again. Here comes a Levite. Oh, man, God is smiling on me. Certainly he will help me. And I want you to know that a Levite, of a Levite like a priest, would have come from the tribe of Levi, but unlike a priest, he wouldn't have come from the family of Aaron. So he was a Levite, but he wasn't from Aaron's family. And what Levites did, they were assistants to the priest. They assisted the priest. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, He passed by on the other side. He also didn't just go by him. He walks away from him on the other side of the road. Reminds me of a commercial they used to have on TV. A young lady's moving, and 
She's calling all of her friends to ask them to come help her move. And when they see who it is on their caller ID, they say, I'm not picking that up. And that's what this Levite said, man, I'm not picking this need up. So there you are. You're beat up on the side of the road. A priest walked by you. A Levite walked by you. Like, and then, but a Samaritan. Now, it's hard for us to appreciate that because we've heard good Samaritan so much it no longer shocks us. Uh, to a Jew, that would have been an oxymoron, like a jumbo shrimp. It would have been impossible to imagine because Jews hated Samaritans. And Samaritans returned the favor. They hated the Jews. Uh, the reason Jews hated the Samaritans, they considered them mixed race. They were half-breeds, half-Jewish, half-Gentile. And their religion, it was half-truth and half-false. They hated Samaritans. And the idea that a Samaritan would stop and help a Jew would have been unthinkable. It would have brought about an emotional response in this lawyer. No way. How could I illustrate that today? Well, our country's pretty divided politically, right? So here's what it would be like. It would be like some Democratic leaders talking about good President Trump. Can you imagine that? No, you can't, can you? Or, let's, let's talk both sides. Can you imagine some, uh, some Republican leaders talking about good Nancy Pelosi or good Chuck Schumer? You can't imagine that, right? Just saying those words would bring out an emotional response. That's outrageous. Couldn't happen. Never. Scandalous. Everything inside the lawyer, everything inside the lawyer when he's hearing that is revolting against the story, that somehow a Samaritan could be the hero of the story. But a Samaritan was on a journey. It's not like he didn't have anything to do in his own life. Came upon him. Now notice this. And when he saw him, he felt compassion and came to him. He saw him. He saw a human being in need. He didn't see a, a Jew. He saw a person. He felt compassion, not hate. He felt compassion for him. He was needy, and he came to him. He helped him. Listen to all the ways he helped him. He came to him, bandaged up and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. He took care of his wounds, and he put him on his beast. He put him on his beast, and he let him ride while he walked. Can, can you believe that? And he brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii. Now, a denarii was a day's wage. Can you imagine taking out two days' wage and giving them a way to take care of someone you just met? Two denarii, and he gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. That was a very significant amount of money. Two days' wages, two denarii, would have been enough for this man to stay in the inn for three and a half weeks. He gave him three and a half weeks' stay in the inn to recover, and then said, if you spend more, I'll come and cover the bill then. Now Jesus takes the parable, and he applies it to the lawyer, and he applies it to you and me. Here's the question he asks. Which of these three do you think prove to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? Did you hear what Jesus said? The lawyer had asked, who is my neighbor? 
That's not what Jesus asked. Jesus asked, asked, who acts like a neighbor in this situation, okay? Who is acting like a neighbor? Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? What Jesus was seeking to do was to expose this man's sin, that he would say, I've not loved Jews like that. I certainly haven't loved Samaritans like that. What do I do? How can I have eternal life? It should have moved him to Jesus to, 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 to give him eternal life and to get the love he needed to love people like this. But he didn't. So notice how the lawyer responds. And he said, the one who showed mercy toward him. Did you notice what he couldn't say? <laughs> Listen, his heart was so hard he couldn't say the, 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 the Samaritan, right? He couldn't respond like that because he hated Samaritan so much, so he responded by saying the one who showed mercy toward him. Notice then what Jesus says. Then Jesus said to him, go and do the same. Go in and be a neighbor. So what have we learned so far? <clears throat> What we've learned so far is the point of today's message is that nobody loves like Jesus. In the action step, what is our assignment this week in a coronavirus world? Jesus says, go and do the same. Go and do the same. And I want you to know that most messages on this parable end right here. Go and do the same. But I want you to know Good News Church is different because we love the gospel. We believe it's hard to love our neighbor. We believe we need the power of the gospel working in our lives to enable us to love our neighbor. So what I want to do in helping us go and do the same is to ask two questions. The first question we need to ask is, where do we get the love? Where do we get the love to go and do the same? Where do we get the love we need to go and love our neighbor? Okay, that's the first question. The second question is, how do we love our neighbor? How do we love our neighbor in a coronavirus world where many of the things we would normally do, like getting close to a neighbor or hugging a neighbor, are things we can't do? All right, so let's start with the first question. Where do we get the love to, to go and do the same? We get the love from Jesus. We need to learn how to run to Jesus to get the love we need to go and do the same. Let me help you there. As we read this parable, as we read the parable of the Good Samaritan, who did you imagine you were? Who did you imagine you were in the story? Who? No. No, you're not the Good Samaritan. I'm not the Good Samaritan. Know who we are? We're the robbed man. We're the robbed man. This parable, this parable is the gospel. The gospel and the bad news we see in this parable is that we're sinners. We're the robbed man. We're naked, bloody, on the side of the road, helpless to save ourselves. You see, many of us as sinners, many of us, our sins are like the robber. Our sins are like the robber. Our sins are sins of commission. We've done things we shouldn't do. So let me ask you, how many of you have ever stolen anything? Uh, I have. Come on, put your hands up in your living room. Yeah. And you know what? That makes us a robber, right? Just like the men in the story. Uh, let me ask you, how many of you in your whole life have ever told a lie? Man, I have. Know what that makes me? A liar. You too. Uh, how many of you ever, ever disobeyed your parents? Ever? Oh, man. Man, I'm so guilty, aren't you? You see, many of us, we are sinners like the robbers. We have 
done things we shouldn't have done. We've told lies. Listen, we've stolen things. We've disobeyed our parents. But listen, others of us, our sins are sins of omission. Sins of omission. We fail to do what we ought to do. Our sins are like those of the Levite and the priest. We've passed by people in need without helping them. Isn't that true? Sins of omission. You know what they are? Uh, a, a teacher was teaching children, and she was talking about sins of omission. She said, do you know what sins of omission are? A little boy raised his hand, and the teacher said, yes, dear. And he said, well, a sin of omission is a sin I, a sin I thought about doing and didn't do. No, that's not it. Sins of omission are we fail to do what we ought to have done. I've been at this a long, long time. I can only remember one person that I was witnessing to who really understood this. She was 97 years old. I was still a pastor in Boca Raton. I, I was asked by a family member to come and share the gospel with this lady. 97 years old. I said, why should God let you into heaven? She said, he won't. And I said, why not? She said, it's not because I've done bad things. It's because I've not done what I should have done with my life. Isn't that many of us? Aren't we the priest? Aren't we the Levite? We've not done what we should have done. Did you hear Deuteronomy 6? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Not one of us has kept that for a day in our life, have we? Not even in this worship service. I mean, we're sitting in our living room. We've been thinking, man, there's no sports to watch on TV today. We can't go out to lunch today. We've not loved him for one hour, have we? And our neighbor? Come on. Have we always loved our neighbor as ourselves? See, we're not the good Samaritan in the story. We're the robbed man, bloody, helpless, desperately in need of a Savior. And that's the good news of the parable. The good news is that Jesus is the good Samaritan, that Jesus saw us naked and helpless. He felt compassion for us. He came to us. God the Son put on flesh and came to us. He lived the beautiful life for us. He's the only one who ever kept the two great commandments. He loved God with all his heart and all his soul and all his mind, his whole life for you and me. And he loved his neighbor as himself for us because we couldn't. And then he went to the cross and he took our sins upon himself and he died in our place, and he paid the penalty for our sins in full, and he rose on the third day, and he offers us the greatest gift ever, the gift of eternal life. He offers to forgive us. He offers us the chance to do life with him and for him, and eternity with him and for him. And what does he require of us? That we put our faith in him, right? That we receive this gift by faith. Remember what Jesus said? <clears throat> In John 6, 47, Jesus said, truly, truly, that means this is really important. I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that man on the side of the road, bloody and dying, and along comes the good Samaritan and says, listen, I want to save you. And he says, no, no, just leave me here to die. Don't you know he gladly accepted that help, don't you? Yes, save me. Won't we do that? Listen, I had an aunt who died yesterday. And I have a family member who's very, very sick. Do you know we're all going to die? Do you know that? And 
And listen, we could get sick in this virus and, and we could die. Don't you want to know that when you get sick and when you die, you're going to be with Jesus forever? You can. How? He said, he who believes. It's a free gift we receive by believing. And believing in Jesus really is as simple as ABC where we admit and believe and commit, won't you? The best preparation for this virus is to admit, like I did one day in my life, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And if you haven't, won't you make today that day? And listen, I believed. I said, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose, won't you? And I committed to Jesus as Savior and Lord. Jesus, come in and and be my Savior and give me eternal life. I want to spend eternity with you, won't you? And I said, I want you to be Lord of my life. Today I surrender. From this day forward, as you give me strength, I will follow you, won't you? Listen, when we believe in Jesus, we don't have to fear uh, dying because he says we have eternal life. We get to do life with him and for him and eternity with him and for him. And so once we believe in Jesus, what we need to learn to do is to run to Jesus every day so that we can experience his love so we can go and do the same. We can go and give it away. Oh, I love this verse. I mean, how are we going to love our neighbor in a coronavirus world? Here's how. 1 John 4, 19, we love because it's easy to love our neighbor, because it's easy to love our family when we're trapped in the home with them. No, we love because he first loved us. This week, let's get up each day and let's run to Jesus. And Jesus will say, I will love you so you can go and love others. I will fill you with love so you can go and do the same, okay? So what have we learned so far? Where do we get the love we need to to love our neighbor? We run to Jesus and he loves us so we can go and do the same. Okay, second question. Second question is, How do we love our neighbor in a coronavirus world? There's so many things that we can't do that we normally do. Here's what we do. We do what we can. The way we love our neighbor in a coronavirus world is we don't concentrate on what we can't do. We do what we can do. And in the story here, as we spend time with Jesus here, there are certain things Jesus does in the story that we can do. One of the things we can do that Jesus did is we can open our eyes. We can open our eyes, can't we? Do you see that? In verse 33, he saw him. He saw him. Each day this week, we can get up, run to Jesus, and say, Jesus, open our eyes. Open our eyes to see people the way you see people. Will you do that? Jesus, open my eyes to see people. They're human beings. They're made in the image of God, right? Open our eyes to see people the way you do. You ever wonder why Jesus calls us to pray for our enemies? One of the reasons he wants us to pray for our enemies is as soon as we begin to pray for our enemies, we begin to see them differently. They're no longer our enemies. We see they're sinners. They're sinners just like we are, who need a Savior just like we do, right? So one of the ways we can love our neighbors, like we see Jesus doing here, is we can open our eyes. Jesus, open our eyes to see people the way you see people. Will you do that? The second thing we can learn from Jesus here is to put on compassion. To put on compassion. He felt compassion. Each morning when we get up and spend time with Jesus, we can put on compassion. And you say, but Smiley, isn't that faking it? No, it's not faking it. 
It's being intentional. Let's wake up. Let's spend time with Jesus. And as we pray, Jesus, give me a heart of compassion for others. Give me a heart of compassion for others. And when we do that, Jesus will begin to move in us and say, don't ask today, don't ask today who deserves your help, but instead ask who needs your help. You know what fills our heart from compassion? When we quit asking who deserves our help and ask who needs our help. And when I forget that, when I forget that, Jesus loves to say, you know, Smiley, you don't deserve my help, but boy, you need my help. That's so true of me. Is that true of you? Man, I don't deserve his help, but I sure need it. And so Jesus says, I will help you and give you compassion so you can go and give it away. So two things we learn from Jesus that we can do is to open our eyes right and to put on a heart of compassion, to put on compassion. <clears throat> Third, though, is what can we do? Instead of focusing on what we can do, this week when we spend time with Jesus, let's ask him, Jesus, what can we do? What can we do to love our neighbor? And listen, all of us, all of us can do something to love our neighbor. We can. Um, locked in our homes, we can. <laughs> oh, as I thought about being locked in our homes this week, someone sent me this meme, this meme, and I thought it was, it was so good. Um, you see it? This is it, the day your dogs have all been waiting for, the day they realize their owners can't leave the house and they get you 24-7, LOL. Dogs are rejoicing everywhere. Cats are con contemplating suicide. It's true, isn't it? I mean, some of us were locked in our homes and we're really loving being together as a family and some of us are thinking, man, when will this ever end, right? Oh. So... How do we love our neighbors when we're locked in our homes? And what I begin to think about is the Apostle Paul. So much of Paul's life, so much of Paul's life, he was imprisoned. And a lot of being in prison for Paul is he was under house arrest. He was locked in a house. Don't we feel that way? So as we look at Paul, what can we learn? One thing Paul did to love his neighbors when Paul was in prison is Paul prayed. Do you realize one of the ways we can love our neighbors, we can pray, right? And so I want you to know how I pray. I pray in widening circles. When I pray every day, I pray for myself first. Well, why yourself first? Because no one needs Jesus more than I do. I mean, I'm in my house with my mom and with my mother-in-law, and I have neighbors and church members. I need Jesus, don't you? And so I pray for myself that I would love, and then I pray for my family, and then I pray in a wider circle for our church, and then I pray for our community, and then I pray for our nation, and I pray for our world. Won't you join me? One of the ways we can love our neighbors is to pray. Our denomination has put together a great prayer plan. It's actually on our website. I invite you to join us. I'm doing it. My family's doing it. A lot of our elders and staff are doing it. Won't you join us in 30 days of prayer in April uh, for, for ourselves and our family and our church and community and nation and world? You can download it uh, at goodnewsloves.com and you can join us. That's a way we can love our neighbors is we can pray. Uh, second thing Paul did was Paul wrote letters. I love that. Paul was in, 
you know, was in prison and, and he says, I can't go and plant churches, but how can I get the gospel out? How can I love my neighbors when I'm confined? And he said, I can write letters, right? So listen, we can't go and visit people like often we can, but what we can do is we can communicate with people, can't we? On social media, we can text people, we can email people. Getting better, we can call people. Normally, maybe they won't pick up, they'll pick up now. We can use FaceTime. I have really tried to take an hour a day, to take an hour a day and just call people. How are you doing? How are you doing? How can I pray for you? And so many people have said, thank you, thank you. You can do it. I deputize it. You can do it. Why not when you're in your house, take an hour a day and just call people. Call people. You're a part of the body of Christ. You can do it. Just call people. Hey, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? You'll bless them and they'll bless you. That's something we can do, right? What? What we can do when we're in our homes, we can pray and, and, and we can communicate, right? And the third thing Paul did with the guards, with the guards, that those who were close to him, he's, in, he's locked in a house or he's locked in prison, those close to him, he witnessed to them. He shared the gospel with them. He shared the gospel with them both by word and by deed. And so those we do come in contact with, we can share the gospel with by word and by deed. What do you mean by deed? Well, well, Jason wanted to do something, so he put together at, at Good News, Good News Delivers, where they go and buy groceries for people whose health is compromised and can't make it to the grocery store themselves. He spotted a need, and he's meeting a need. That's something we can do with those close to us, when we see a need that we can meet, let's meet the need. Um, Don was sharing with me, Don was sharing with me how he ministered to someone that he was calling an airline to cancel some airline reservations uh, because he's not able to fly in May. And, and as he called, he could tell the lady that he was speaking to seemed upset. And he said, have you been affected by the coronavirus? And she said, yes. And Don said, how? And she says, well, the good news is I get to work at home. And that saves me an hour commute both ways and saves me a lot of gas money. But the bad news is, is at home I have four school-aged children and two of them have special needs and they're undone by all of this. And Don said, well, could I pray for you? And there was a pause and then she said yes and, and Don prayed for her. And he says, you could feel... You could feel her mood changed as he prayed for her. Think of all the conversations we have this week, in person and on the phone, that we could pray for someone. What a great way to share the gospel with people, right? To pray for them, right? I think of Dave. <clears throat> Dave was sharing with me in his neighborhood that he's made an effort to go and knock on the doors and keep his social distance and ask people, how are you doing? Have you been affected by the coronavirus? Has anyone in your family been affected? And when people say yes, he says, could I pray for you? Some say yes, some say no. But listen, he's doing what he can. How many of us, we walk our dogs or we walk through the neighborhood. What a great way when you're walking through your neighborhood to pray for your neighbors. And when you have an opportunity, listen, to point them toward Christ through your conversation. I know when I'm speaking on something, I always love to go first. And so this week, a couple of times, I've just sat out on my front porch, just sit down. And, and when people go by, I pray for them and try and have conversations with them. It's amazing how many conversations you can have with people if you just sit on your front porch and engage people in conversation. 
Listen, how can we witness to people uh, during this time? You can invite people to our Easter service. We have unlimited room for people. Make sure you invite people. Hey, join us online next Sunday. Join us online next Sunday. And when you invite someone, say, hey, I'll give you a call after it and see how it goes, okay? No, another way you can love your neighbor is you can take advantage of this time with no sports and you can't go out to eat and get some training. I, I want to offer you, I want to offer you some Zoom, Zoom evangelism training. Uh, four weeks, probably an hour of time where I meet with you and, and help equip you so that you become more effective at sharing your faith. Are there people you'd like to, to have gospel conversations with and, and you'd like to be equipped? I'd love to help equip you. You can go to Good News Loves, to Smiley, to Smiley at goodnewsloves.com and say, hey, Smiley, si sign me up. And I'd be glad to help disciple you, to help train you through this time. Won't you sign up for that? That's something we can do during this time as we can seek equipping, right? Um, as I was thinking about this message and, and mentioned to Dave about how Paul, how he took advantage of, of being locked up to, to share the gospel, Dave says, Smiley, do you know how Acts ends? And uh, I, I said, no. And so... Here's what Dave shared with me. This is so good. Listen. The book of Acts ends where Paul is in, he's under house arrest. He's under house arrest. And he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters. Well, we've been at this three weeks or so. Can you imagine two years? For two years, Paul was locked in a house. Did he gripe? Did he complain? Did he waste it? You know what he did? He did what he could, didn't he? <laughs> Listen, and he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered. I believe that this can be the greatest time for Good News Church, the greatest time. So this week, this week, let's get up, let's run to Jesus and let him love us because nobody loves like Jesus. And as he fills us up with his love, let's go. Let's go in and do the same. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, we are so glad when you saw us naked, bloody, helpless on the side of the road. You didn't pass by. You saw us. You felt compassion for us. You came to save us. Thank you. Thank you for living and dying and rising. Thank you for offering us eternal life, offering to wash our sins away and give us the chance to do life and eternity with and for you. Listen, if you'd rather do life and eternity with and for Jesus, won't you believe today? Won't you admit to him? Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And won't you believe, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And won't you commit, Jesus, come in and, and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. From this day forward, as you give me strength, I will follow you all the days of my life. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, remember what Jesus said, that he who believes has eternal life. 
Won't you email me and let me know? I'd love to celebrate with you. Or tell someone. When you tell someone, Jesus will become more real to you. And Jesus, I pray for those of us who have believed you for eternal life, that we would realize that you have forgiven us, that we get to do life in eternity with you and for you. And each day this week, we would run to you and let you love us. And Lord, we would go, we would go and and do the same. That we pray you would open our eyes and fill us with compassion and we would do what we can do to love our neighbors. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much for being with us today. We're so glad you came. Hope you enjoyed being with us. Next Sunday, next Sunday's message is He is Risen. Listen, talk about something that changes everything. He is Risen. Don't miss it. And make sure you invite lots of people to come and pray. That'll be a great, great outreach event, okay? So let me send you out with God's blessing full of hope, okay? Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.